So when I was a young junior alcoholic, I running around, not really getting into trouble, but I might've been well on my way. Mom said, uh, boy, if you ever, ever get in trouble, don't even think about calling me. Those cops take you to Rikers Island. Don't even call me because I'm not going to answer. And I think that is what set off the neuroses of me being what those uh, insurance uh, and, uh, and, and stock people would call risk averse. There's a reason why I avoided uh, jails uh, and institutions is because uh, it's just straight up fear. And I let fear just run my life for too long. And I, I prayed it away and I uh, got with the program living sober episode six so i'll be the first to admit you know i i'm kind of afraid of my own shadow i think uh this past summer i literally flinched <laughs> and, and uh and hopped out my skin because i thought somebody was chasing me when I was a, a young junior alcoholic, living sober, episode six, when I was a young man, uh, junior high, I was uh, 118, PS 118, shout out to everybody in, in Queens, Farmers Boulevard, young fifth grader. I had transferred from St. Catharines of Siena and, uh, and got pulled out of private Catholic school and had to go to uh, PS 118. And, uh, the, the, these were some tough kids and you know i sort of had to earn my bones there i think i held my own my fear hadn't totally set in at that time uh, but when you get to fifth grade you start hearing i was in fourth grade but when you get to fifth grade at, at ps 118 they started to talk about 192 is 192 linden middle school it was like our feeder junior high school the deuce and, and at the Deuce, you know, that was the toughest kids went there to Hollis, the kids from Hollis, Springfield, Farmers, Shadyville, Queens Village. And, uh, you know, Freshman Friday, there was legend that they would like throw kids off the roof. And I was major, major, major fear about going to 192. I remember, you know, asking mom to go to like the, a different feeder school. 238 Susan B. Anthony Junior High School because it wasn't as scary as IS-192. Needless to say, I was stuck there in a, <laughs> at the deuce. Uh, it really wasn't all bad there. 192 itself didn't arise any fears. It was the kids in and around the neighborhood. The neighborhood kids are, are what I feared most. I used to take the, the long way home from school because I didn't want to get chased or beat up by, by those kids on Hollis or, or the guys on Farmers Boulevard. So I would like cut through all the back streets and, and try to make my way home without any incident because I knew, I knew that somebody was going to find me and run up on me and punch me in the face just, just for living. Uh, the guys from uh, Andrew Jackson High School would come and steal starter jackets and Jansport book bags. So I would make sure I would go out the quietest exit and sneak down the block out of sight, out of mind. And this is early on. This is 
12, 13 years old and neuroses. I, I use that word neuroses because these are like the ego, the hardened ego subconscious traits that still stick with me as adulthood. I didn't know that that my rearing as a, as a child and all of the experiences that I had then would affect and shape my persona now. So fast forward, fast forward. Uh, in my uh, adult life, it manifests itself as agoraphobia. When I first started to get <laughs> started to get sober and sort of got introduced to recovery, I had checked into the uh, mental health pros, and, and those mental health pros said, "Phil, you, you're not you're not depressed. You're not agor agoraphobia. You don't have bipolar. You're just a drunk." Here's the literature. Because I started drinking and using it such a age, a young age to fight off that fear, I, I knew nothing else. When I started pouring alcohol and smoking weed at 14 and 15 years old, it took all of that fear away. I mean, it was gone. I always say that alcohol did one thing for me. It made me not give a damn. And by the time I was older, that that fear had really took its toll on me to the point where I couldn't leave the house. I was most comfortable, isolated, locked away with all my alcohol, all my drugs, maybe a, somebody of the opposite sex. And that and that was that was all I needed to be happy. And if I was to leave the house, it was for food or it was to buy more of what I needed to escape the pain. My mom, she used to say that I was turning down the volume on something, that I was covering up something or, or other. And that was the reason why I drank and used drugs, living sober. The funny thing about fear is that it manifests itself in so many different ways. Procrastination, acting out, uh, eating, <laughs> a risk, high risk behaviors, uh, overconfidence, underconfidence. It's just, they, they, they say in the rooms, uh, talk about uh, 100 forms of fear and the things that crop out. I, I would tell people early on, and this is, I did this my entire life. I'm telling on myself now, you might, you, you might happen to catch me uh, eating uh, spaghetti out of a glass uh, Tupperware in the middle of the night from the refrigerator light <laughs> uh, two in the morning. Uh, I, I've known for being caught uh, in my underwear in the wee hours of the morning, like eating cold spaghetti out the fridge. And I told uh, a friend that, and he said that that was fear. And I said, what the hell are you talking about? Well, he said that I was uh, a coping mechanism. I, I was eating that cold spaghetti as a way to cope. And uh, because of fear that we, we get locked into these different comfort zones. And that kind of made so much sense. You know, I still haven't been able to track down all of the, the causes of my fear. I mentioned mom, love her to death. Um, my mom will be the first to admit that she's a she's a big punk and uh, she is definitely risk averse. And she's a 
pacifist as well. She's really the type to turn the other cheek and not really fight. So I, I definitely was raised with a lot of that in me. So I took a lot of L's. Uh, maybe I had some issues with the, the neighborhood bullies. So I had this, uh, I'll show them attitude. So I always had to be something bigger than what I, I really was, meaning I had to mask myself. I always had to be the best dress, have the jewelry, date the prettiest, most popular girls, uh, be a producer or be a rapper, dancer, comedian, or anything to, to bring attention to myself, to hide that fear, to use that as like a shield, to mask. And it worked for a while. But as I got older, the, the facade just would not hold up to further scrutiny because I could not keep up appearances. Sure, I wanted to do all these cool things, but I did not have the, the drive to do it. And this is where the other side of fear started to rear its head. I would sloth and procrastinate and daydream about everything that I wanted in the world, but I would take no action. Or when I did put in the work, I was just too afraid to actually put myself all the way out there, similar to the way I'm doing this podcast. When I said I was going to launch this, this uh, fear had its nasty tentacles all over it. And it took me right back to the, my early days. I had moderate success uh, in TV and film and uh, music. And uh, well, I wouldn't say moderate success. Let's just say that I had opportunities and I blew it because I was fear. I couldn't put myself out there. I was so much in fear. I remember as a, as a local celebrity, neighborhood producer, I would uh, had a recording studio out in Queens and I was selling, selling music, selling beats, having guys come to the studio and, and females. And they were like, Phil, this is good, man. You should, you should put this out. And it, we called it, uh, it never, it never went downstairs It never left the studio. I would have all this great positive feedback and, and people were saying good things about the work that I was doing musically, but I was just too afraid to put it out. But it, all I needed was a little uh, agitator. I needed to use those PEDs. Story of my life. I had to uh, drink to, to get up to record it. I had to smoke to get smoke weed to, to, to get creative and want to like re record. And then I had to do all types of speed and other drugs to get motivated to market and promote it and do the work behind the scenes. And I couldn't keep up with that. I had to find a, a better solution. And, and that was when I said to myself, enough is enough. You know, I got to start cleaning up my act, living sober. So when is the enough is enough moment? Pain, pain, pain. And we all know that that's the motivator. I was in situations and just in life in general where I probably stayed in situations longer than I really needed to. I think we all have, be it career, relationships, insert situation here. And I, the comfortability, uh, it's, it's a shame that for me, comfortability,
vulnerability is fear. You know, if it feels comfortable, uh, it, it lulls me. It's the enemy. It's the devil because it just lulls me into uh, nothing. <laughs> it just like just not the best version of myself. So what I did decided to do about a year ago, I was in a lot of pain. I was struggling in my career. I was fearful of, of leaving my job with the school district. I, I was a, a coordinator for after school program. I was coaching soccer, coaching basketball, uh, making pretty good money, but I was like dead inside and I was sick and sad and, and, and just was fearful for the change. And, you know, a trusted, a trusted friend suggested I start seeking, you know, I start praying and anybody that knows me knows that probably prayer, meditation, and God are probably the last tools in my toolkit, unfortunately. Uh, but I was in that pain. I was at that crossroads, that turning point. I knew that I wanted to change, but I was just afraid to take the leap. But everything goes back to my recovery. I had had enough pain and my way wasn't working and I needed to change. And once the fear, once the pain of remaining the same uh, outweighs the fear of change, that's when the real recovery begins. Now, that's not an original Phil P., but it has resonated in and, in and throughout my, my program is that, again, I just could not take it. So I had to change. So here's what happened. I started praying. I started praying regularly and uh, being specific and earnest in my prayers. God, I don't want to be a big puss today. <laughs> God, I don't want to be my usual self today. And slowly, 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 doors just started to open for me. I don't want to oversimplify here, but start to start with, I got a really cool uh, new job that has been everything that I ever wanted for uh, in, a, in a career. It's really all about work-life balance, interacting with people, and helping my community. But also I've come to realize that working in, in a career job, it's really just a means to an end for me these days, meaning that my job is not my identity. And for so long it was that fear that if I didn't work for this place or make this amount of money or have this type of house or this type of car that I will be judged on the outside. Another irrational fear that we probably don't even have time to get into on this episode. Doors started to open for me when I just started to relax and, and go after the opportunities that I really wanted and pray for the things I wanted. And, and I started reading these books, As a Man Thinketh and Sermon on the Mount and uh, Coach, Coach Wooden, that pyramid of success. I took that and just stapled it to my wall and I read it and I charted out my course. I used to... Uh, Look for people, they say in the rooms, look for people that have what you want. And for me, that used to be humility. I'm not the most humble person in the room. And that is a very, very attractive quality to have. But today I want to lean to people that are fearless. Uh, the ones that are unapologetic and don't care what anybody thinks 
about what they do, say, act, dress, anything. And I was also told that anything that I really want in life is on the other side of fear. So I needed to go ahead and take that leap. Have faith, they said, but faith without works is dead. So I need to get up off my butt and press record and record this podcast, Living Sober.